Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, your word, we man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so, Lord, as we open our Bibles today, we, Lord, see the mouth of God. And from your mouth to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Refresh here a little bit. Ruth chapter 1. And uh, take a look at... Uh, uh, two men. Ruth chapter 1. All right. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilian, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. They came into the country of Moab and continued there, and Elimelech Naomi's husband died. She was left and her two sons. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. They dwelled there about 10 years. Malon and Kilian died also, both of them. One was left of her two sons and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Chapter 2, verse 1. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? All right, Father's Day. Today we're going to be studying two fathers. The first father we're going to be studying today is a father that was not a good father. He's a bad father. The second father was a good father. So we're going to contrast. The first father we're going to look at in the book of Ruth here is, as you guessed, Elimelech. And what we've seen so far as we've been studying the book of Ruth is a tragedy about this father. It's a tragic account of a father, this Elimelech. He had a dream. Elimelech had a dream for his family here, and we've studied that. And as a father of this house, he led his family to pursue a dream, to pursue a hope, but it was wrong. And those dreams ended in a disaster and chapter 1 is the account of a shattered dreams of a father, Elimelech, and his family. So what we've seen is that Elimelech was a, first of all, he was a prominent man in the city of Bethlehem. The father, Elimelech, was the leader of his family. His wife, Naomi, his two sons, as we think, Nellie and Killian. But a famine had struck the land of Israel. And so he has now, as a father, the responsibility to lead his family. What are we going to do, Dad? And now he looks and he says, hmm, if I stay in God's land, the land of Israel, if I stay among God's people, the Jewish people, and then he, he says, that, that doesn't look so good. And then he looks over and he sees his, uh, the idolatrous neighbors, Moab, 
And when he saw the land of Moab and the Moabites, and he saw, he said, that's a good land. It's fertile land. They've got water, and the people look prosperous. And so he's influenced by what he saw. And he's a, he's a father of the house, and he's making this tragic decision that's going to have tragic consequences for his family. It's a tragic decision that Eli Malik has made. He's a father of the house. He's making this decision. Why did he do that? Why did Elimelech decide to make this decision, this tragic decision? Because he was following in the steps of another bad father. Sounds kind of bad. We have Father's Day, we're going to study bad fathers. (laughs) Of another bad father named Lot. And Lot is a similar tragic decision for his family. Similar tragic consequences. And we read all about those in Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 through 11, where we read there, it says these words, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as I comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him the plain of Jordan. See, Lot lifts up his eyes, he sees it. Then he chooses the land, plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated, Abraham and Lot, they separated the one from the other. So Lot, he was the father of his house, He was responsible for his house. He made the decisions for his house, and his decision that he made was bad, and it had consequences, tragic consequences for his wife and his daughters. See, he has this decision to make for his house. Lot has this decision. In order to make his decision, what does he use for making his decision? He lifts up his eyes, and he makes his decision based on what he saw. And the account tells us how Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan. And it was very nice. It was a well-watered plain. It was a fruitful plain. It had a lot of food. It was abundance. And he saw this plain. And that represented, as Lot looked at that, they said, I see opportunity for me. I see an opportunity. I can get rich. I can make a name for myself. Lot's thinking these things. And he sees this opportunity, and he says, you know what? All my life I've lived under the shadow of Abraham. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to get out from under that shadow. And so he looks at the plain of Jordan. He's filled with this excitement, this excitement of how I can really advance. I can really get ahead in the world, and I could get right to the top, and I could make a life for myself with riches. And so as the father of his house, Lot turns to his family, and he tells them all this. He like casts this vision for them. He says, look what we can do. And as the father of his house, Lot is the head of his family, of his wife, and his daughters. He didn't have any sons, Lot. And he turns to his family, and he tells them, he said, just look with me. Look with me at that plain of Jordan. Isn't it wonderful? Look at the opportunity. Look how that represents opportunity for us. We don't have to live as a second to Abraham anymore. We can be just as rich as Abraham was. Now's our opportunity. Now's our chance. Let's go. And he makes this tragic decision to forsake Abraham, to make it rich in the plain there of Jordan. And as a father, Lot made a wrong decision. And that wrong decision had tragic consequences for himself and for his family. He knew that he was choosing the plain, and in the plain were the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew that. He knew the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah had given themselves over to immorality, and they were in this rebellion 
this lifestyle that's a rebellion against God. He knew that. But there's one word in those verses that we looked at in Genesis 13, and it shows the tragedy of what he did. And it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere. And then it says, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. But he says, and Abram, by contrast, it says in verse 12 of Genesis 13, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, but Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So the word that's used there is so tragic is that Lot chose him. He chose him. He's a bad father because he he let down the guard of his soul. And he was a bad father because he didn't teach his wife, he didn't teach his children by example that there was a devil a devil, a very real enemy of our souls. He should have been saying this as a father. There's a very real enemy of our souls, the devil. He should have been saying the words of 1 Peter 5.8. He should have been saying, we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant because we have an adversary, the devil. He's a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's a bad father because he didn't tell his family, he didn't lead his family to be keenly aware that the devil was walking about seeking to devour his family. He was a bad father because he wasn't sober, he wasn't vigilant for his family. He was a bad father because he wasn't on his knees praying for his family. Oh God, I know that the devil is a roaring lion and he's walking about my family right now. And the devil is seeking to devour my family. He's not like Job. Job is saying, he's praying, he says, oh God, he's praying for his sons. I don't know, maybe they've cursed God secretly. I'm praying for them. See, Lot's not like Job. Lot was a bad father because his first priority was not the spiritual well-being of his family. He was a bad father because he let his greed for wealth overtake what should have been his first priority, which was the family God had entrusted to him. And Lot knew the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew as they, how they were described in, in Genesis 13, 13. It's wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. He knew that. If Lot was a good father, he would have said, I need to get my family far from these people. I need, they're going to corrupt me. They're going to corrupt my family. That's dangerous. But he was only thinking of himself. Lot was only thinking of himself. And a father is a bad father when, like Lot, he only thinks about himself. A father is a bad father when he thinks that my wife is only for my pleasure and to serve me. A father is a bad father if he thinks... My children are just there for my pleasure and to serve me. A father's a bad father if he says about his wife and his children, well, what about me? What about my needs? Why doesn't my wife satisfy my desires and needs? Why don't my children serve me? See, a father's a good father if he doesn't think about himself first, if he doesn't think about his own needs, as it says in Philippians 2.4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. A father is a good father if he puts his wife above himself and thinks of her, uh, how can I serve her? As it says in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. A father is a good father if he puts his children above himself and thinks of how he can serve them. As it says in Colossians 3.21, fathers, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Father's a good father when he thinks about, how can I encourage my children? What am I doing that's discouraging them? I have to stop that. 
Or as it says in Ephesians 6, 4, you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Lot had no interest in the word of God. Lot only had an interest in the word of Lot. And a father is not a good father when he doesn't fill himself with the word of God. By not neglecting his daily quiet time with God, with an open Bible, and then let what he learned that morning, what he learned with God that morning, let that occupy his thoughts and his attention to the point where he just talks. He talks all day long about the word of God. And that was the whole vision that God told for the fathers in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, where he says, Hear, O Israel, listen to this. The Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, he says, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words, he says in verse 6, these words which I command thee this day, he says, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. See, God told the Jewish people, he said, this is what a good father is. A father is a, number one, a good father is a man who loves God with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Think of the man who's madly in love with a girl. He loves that girl with all his heart, and he's giving her a special place in his heart. He's thinking about her. He loves that girl with all his soul, and he's constantly thinking about what he can do for her. He loves that girl with all his might, and he he can't do enough for her. That's the picture. That's the picture of the believer who loves the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. See, a father is not a good father unless he first loves the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might. And then it says in Deuteronomy 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He says, shall be in thine heart. You know, it means that in order for a father to be a good father, the Bible must be in his heart. Not just in his head, but in his heart. When the Bible is only in the head, that means a person knows the Bible, but it's different when the Bible's in the heart. A person may have studied birds, for example, and can know all about birds, but a bird watcher is different. A bird watcher, he's got birds in his heart. (laughs) He loves birds. You can't walk outside with a bird watcher who has birds in his heart, but he stops and he says, you see that bird up there? You can't see that bird. You have to look at it and say, right there. He says, you see it? Oh yeah, he says, that's a blue jay. He says, and you look, you don't see it. He says, he, look, he says, look more carefully. Then you see it. He points it out to you. And then he goes on talking about the blue jay until he sees another bird. You know, Vance Havner, maybe you've heard of Vance Havner. He was a great Bible teacher. You know, he was the one who had all these funny sayings like some people in church are like wheelbarrows, useful only when they're pushed and easily upset. <laughs> Vance Havner. He, he went to heaven in 1968. But he was a bird watcher, Vance Havner was. That's what God means when he says in Deuteronomy 6.6, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. A bird watcher loves birds and he has birds in his heart. An architect loves architecture and he has architecture in his heart. A good father loves the word of God and he has the word of God in his heart. Just like a bird watcher has bird in the hearts and so forth. 
And just as the bird watcher with bird in his heart and the architect with architecture in his heart, they speak about birds and architecture, so will the Father. So will the Father with the Word of God in his heart speak about the Word of God. You know, speak to his children. That's why he says, thou shalt teach them first in your heart, and then verse 6, then verse 7, then thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. A good father has the word of God in his heart, and he can't stop talking about the word of God. He's talking all the time about the word of God. He's like a bird watcher in the forest or an architect in the city. The good father with the word of God in his heart, he's just talking all the time about the word of God. The good father with the Bible in his heart, he wakes up in the morning, he's talking about the word of God. When the good father with Bible in his heart, he sits down at the breakfast table, he's talking about the word of God. The good father with the Bible in his heart, when he's walking down the road, he's talking about the word of God. When he's lying down before he's getting ready to go to sleep, he's talking about the word of God, just like the bird watcher. He's not happy. The bird watcher's not happy until he throws open his windows in the morning. He hears the song, the morning song of the birds. Makes him happy. He's not happy at night until he throws open his window. Here's the song, the evening song of the birds. Good father's not happy until he opens his Bible in the morning, hears the word of God, fills his heart in the morning. Same way, he's not happy. The good father's not happy till he opens the Bible, hears the word of God, lets it fill his heart in the evening before he goes to sleep. The architect's not happy till he sees a structure, he appreciates it, and he talks to someone else. Here, can I explain this to you? And just the bird watcher talks about the birds. The architect talks about the architecture. The good father has the word of God in his heart. He talks about the word of God. All the time he's talking about the word of God. He's playing that. In Deuteronomy 6, 6, he says, And these words which I command these these days shall be in thine heart, lodged in thine heart. And then thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and so forth. And when it says to teach them diligently unto the children, the greatest way that he diligently teaches his children the word of God, is when his children look at him and they see he's put the word of God in his heart and he's teaching by his example. He's talking about it. Yesterday, a couple, a day before yesterday, a couple came over to our house for a visit. They have a little nine-year-old girl. And the nine-year-old girl is in my son David's Sunday school class. And the couple told me how their little girl has come home and told them how David makes the Bible come alive to her. She told her parents, he doesn't teach like other teachers. He makes you feel like you're there. He brings it alive. Why? 40 years ago, when I started teaching at the chapel, David watched me prepare. He watched me teach. Fathers teach their children as children watch them. A good father understands that his wife and his children have got their eye on him. They're watching him, and he's doing his most diligent teaching when maybe he's not even speaking, but just by watch being watched. And Lot was being watched by his wife and his children, and Lot was a bad father because they watched him make the wrong decisions. When Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the well-watered plain of Jordan, and he says to himself, well, you know, I can see Sodom and Gomorrah over there. They're pretty bad, but I think I can tolerate them. I can tolerate them. I'll get what I want in the process. And his wife is watching Lot. And Lot's teaching his wife. And Lot's wife saw him overlook 
the wickedness of the Sodomites to go after what he could get, get there in that well-watered plain of Jordan. And what Lot let himself be drawn in to the city of Sodom, as it says, first he pitches his tent near the city of Sodom in Genesis 13, 12. And then it says Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent there. And then we see in Genesis 19, 1, Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He had really advanced up in position there, sitting in the gate of Sodom. He's teaching his wife and his children. They watched him be drawn in for its wealth. And then Lot's wife did just as Lot taught her. By example, when it says in, in Genesis 19, 24 through 26, and the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back. His wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Why did she look back in Genesis 19.26? Why did she do that? Because way back in Genesis 13.10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, was well watered everywhere before the Lord, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. And Lot was teaching his wife, and he didn't even know it. She was teaching her, yield, yield to the lust of the eyes. He was not a good father because he didn't resist the lust of the eyes. He lifted up his eyes, Genesis 13, 10. His wife looked back, Genesis 19, 26. He lifted up his eyes, Lot lifted up his eyes. Therefore, his wife looked back. He was a bad father because he taught his daughters, when you're in trouble, it's okay to sin to get out of trouble. And in Genesis 19, 5 through 8, when those wicked men came, they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them, sexually. And Lot went out of the door unto them and shut to the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Then he says, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. That was a bad father, because instead of calling on God for help from the men of Sodom who were trying to sexually abuse his guests, he resorts to sin by offering his two daughters instead of his guests. His daughters watched that. They saw that. He taught them during that time. And they said, oh, when you're afraid, when you're in trouble, then you sin. Okay, we're afraid now because we're in the trouble of not having children, so we will resort to Genesis 19.36. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Bad father. Eli Melech, bad father. Like Lot, bad father. Because he didn't have the word of God in his heart. He made bad decisions. Eli Melech's first bad decision was like Lot. He lifts up his eyes. He sees the land of Moab as a place that looked pretty good. Looked pretty good to go. He's a bad father because he didn't teach his children by his examples. Resist the lust of the eyes. Bad father because, as like Lot, he tried to blend in, as we saw last time. The city of Sodom. Eli Melech tried to blend in with the Moabites. And Eli Melech's sons, they learned from their father to try to blend in. They took Moabite wives. They had no business doing that. God said, don't do that. And in the end, Eli Melech, he lost his wife. He lost his sons. He lost his own life. 
So we have Eli Melech here. And through his journey, as he launched off to start a new life with all these new hopes and dreams, he's going to make a great future for himself in the land of Moab. Just one problem. It wasn't the will of God. It's never the will of God for a, a believer to leave his people. As God says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. So Eli Melech, he makes this decision to, to where he's going to live based on where he can be a prosperous man. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. 